Welcome to Inspiration and Adaptation, weekly dialogues to shed light on current issues, inspire and empower audiences across Alaska and beyond with creative strategies for maneuvering challenging times. Today begins a month-long series on Indigenous land acknowledgement. I'm Asia Freeman, Artistic Director of Bunnell Street Art Center in Homer, and I'm gratefully a long-term visitor to this land called Tugakt by the Denaina, a borderland of the Denaina and Supiak people. Joining me today are Melissa Shaganak and Dekahim Meener. Um, Melissa Shaganoff is part of the caribou and fish eater clans from Naya Dinayak. Will you help me say it correctly, Melissa? Give me a language lesson. Melissa is an Atna and Paiute person, an artist and social activist, and currently the curator of Alaska Pacific University's art galleries. Within her current curatorial work, she has focused intently on potlatching. She believes that the only future in which institutions embody indigenous ideologies is one that publicly recognizes its power and autonomously gives it away. Melissa is currently working on a year-long project revolved around social engagement and conversation as art practice. A previous board member of Benel Street Art Center, she's a constant advisor and frequent guest of this program. Welcome, Melissa. Shanann. Born in Fairbanks, Alaska, to Flinkit Nishka mother and hippie American father, Dekaheen Meener uses the tools of family ancestry and personal history to build his art. His work stems from an examination of a multicultural heritage and social expectations and definitions. In particular, his work is focused on the constructs of Native American identity and an attempt to define the self outside of these constructs. Meener has received a number of awards for his work, including a 2015 USA Rasmussen Fellowship, a 2015 Idle Jor Contemporary Arts Fellowship, 2014 Native Arts and Culture Foundation Artist Fellowship, and many more awards. Welcome, Deka. Thank you for having me, Asia. The two of you have been invited to this program because of your art and activism around indigenous land acknowledgement. Amid nationwide calls to re-examine America's history of racism, you're among the activists which have said that the statue of Captain Cook is a place for Anchorage to start its own conversation. So I'd like to begin this dialogue by just asking um, some reflections of, of the two of you. Melissa, for someone who never set foot on land in the area, what does Captain Cook's statue in Anchorage portray or convey? Um, well, just the, just the, let's just talk about the truth, right? So the truth is that Captain Cook never set foot in Alaska, you know? That Captain Cook sailed the world, that he was an app soldier, that he created a map, you know, and, you know, he's part of this sort of colonial heroism of bringing the West to the rest of the world. But the truth is that he had no relationship with Alaska at all. You know, he had no relationship with this land. He had no, you know, standing on, on, its, on its roots. And having a statue of him, you know, commemorates a, a lie, 
you know, it commemorates a history that didn't happen. And having a Captain Cook statue is, is a state-sanctioned oppressive erasure of indigenous histories. It is also a symbol that um, the sort of hierarchical power on who decides like what is important in history and what knowledge is valid. You know, having, I think that uh, as a lot of the discussions have been had around Captain Cook recently, we realize from even published opinion pieces that a lot of people do not understand Captain Cook's history here and do not understand the truth of it, you know, and that they question indigenous history and question indigenous leaderships, you know, um, often through indirect violence and just kind of overt racism and comments is what we've been seeing, um, you know, from the decision of the uh, the mayor to essentially give the the uh, decision of what to do with the statue over to Aklutna. Um The Captain Cook statue represents uh, a history that is untold and one that seemingly has been, you know, permanent or purposefully uh, made invisible. So, for me. For many indigenous people that I work with, uh, Captain Cook represents an erasure and a purposeful removal of indigenous relationship, stewardship, and history in this place. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. And I would like to talk more about that. Um, just turning to Deka, um, Am I correct in connecting your activism around Captain Cook to the Anchorage Museum's 2015 exhibit, Arctic Ambitions, Captain Cook in the Northwest Passage? I remember that this exhibit examined the log of Captain James Cook as the preeminent navigator of his age. He sailed through the Bering Strait into the Arctic Ocean in 1778 in search of the Northwest Passage. Um, if, that, if I'm making a correct association with, with your activism around um, uh, Captain Cook, could you contextualize that a little bit for us, Deka? Yeah, so um, th so thank you, and boy, that, that was great, Melissa. I just loved hearing you um, speak so passionately about the histories that are told and not told. And, um, and my action uh, was done um, in reaction, I guess, to the exhibit, um, 2015. Uh, and really looking at, you know, do we need another exhibit that celebrates the colonial viewpoints? And I was wondering why, why this kind of exhibition was happening at our institution and should there be a response? And, and the Anchorage Museum really did kind of open it up and ask for a response. Um, uh, and, and, and really, I, I, uh, part, you know, part of the inspiration of, of kind of the surrounding of Captain Cook it was really a conversation with Sonia Keller Combs. We were just kind of talking casually and we're talking about the Captain Cook and the Captain Cook monument and, and just became this visioning of a space that would be transformed by, um, by other artworks to contextualize the, 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 you know, that monumental bronze sculpture that I guess we see everywhere. Um, 
you know, and since then, it just really started thinking about monuments in general and how they represent people and how they represent spaces. And especially thinking about public spaces, you know, if, um, and I guess this is beyond Captain Cook, but really thinking about this idea of monuments and public spaces. And if public spaces represent all of us, do monuments represent our histories in an equitable manner, um, which, which I do, don't think they do. And, and, and with particular with Captain Cook, I mean, having that kind of that, 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 that um, imaginary history of the discoverer <laughs> being placed there um, at such a prominent spot in downtown Anchorage, um, you know, it's a history that, that needs to be questioned, I guess, or needs to be complemented um, with, with the histories that were in place before he showed up and sailed through our, our space. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the intervention, the, the action that you um, staged at the monument in 2015. Sure. So I, um, so I brought in um, a number of my uh, sculptural pieces, um, the language daggers, and kind of surrounded the statue uh, with those dagger forms and then photographed myself throughout the day um, in my Tlingit um, regalia. And, and it was such a strange experience because it, it, was, it was as if I was invisible. Like I had all of this equipment out there, I was in my regalia, um, and I was obviously doing something in the space, yet I was not acknowledged by any of the visitors until the very end of the project. And, and I guess the idea was just kind of putting myself into that space um, as an indigenous man to assert a history that isn't being told um, through the monument. Um, and really kind of thought it would spark more conversation throughout the day, which really it didn't at all until the very end when a couple from Australia asked what I was doing and I was telling them about the project and the exhibition that was going on and their response, maybe I didn't explain it very well, but the response was, Oh yeah, Captain Cook's great. He, he discovered us too. And then they went off on their, on their way. But, uh, um, but it was definitely an interesting time or an interesting space to be in activating public space with artwork um, and then an action around the artwork. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if the Captain Cook was that successful as far as kind of an engagement with people in the space, but, um, you know, but it led on to other things and other developments and, and maybe think a little bit more about what those spaces are and how they represent or do do these public spaces represent an equity of representation? Um, and so I guess I'm just looking at that as I go around and and see the public spaces that we that we all participate in. And yeah, so it was a, it was a good experience. Um, yeah. Now it seems like it really proved the the point that Melissa <laughs> made in opening the dialogue today that the that the monument 
sanctions cook. And amazingly, throughout the course of your whole day, it just came right around to that with the, with the last visitors and their observations. It's hmm. really incredible. So now we're in, you know, a movement, um, an international sweeping movement of social justice in which all kinds of monuments are being torn down and re-examined and some of them recontextualized. And I do want to talk with you both about um, where uh, Captain Cook belongs in history and, and in, in Anchorage, for, perhaps. Um, but, but to step back um, a, a little bit more into the broader context of, of the work that you're doing, um, Melissa, along with about 20 other leaders, mostly indigenous, you're asking for the removal of the statue. What is the scope of your efforts? Can you describe that and where it stands right now? Yeah, so, um, you know, and I just first want to qualify it with saying that I'm not an organizer in at all. And I, I really didn't want to kind of step into this role either because I think that in a way I, I knew what the reaction was going to be, you know, about this discussion, which which of course we're not the first to have, you know, um, uh, the first to bring up this, these, these points. Um, but uh, so it, it all kind of like started with um, basically, uh, you know, BLM, you know, people protesting, you know, there's been this outcry, you know, as you say, you know, Asia for, for justice, you know, around the world. And, it started to sort of like trickle down and not trickle down, I guess it's the wrong term, but it started to kind of like, I think, bring up old wounds, you know, that have been festering and things that have been um, hurting us, you know, in, in these broader systematic terms, you know, um, and Cook is part of that. He's part of this sort of hierarchical system that promotes violence and racism against, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color. And uh, I think that a fear that the group that I work with um, uh, was expressed and was worried about is that, you know, taking, taking this statue down in haste, you know, knowing you know, de, de Reacac, knowing Anchorage, um, we were worried that it was going to cause basically indirect um, violence and hate on vulnerable indigenous populations that frankly live under that monument, you know, that they, they, they live in the downtown area. And so our whole messaging in addressing the mayor and addressing, you know, um, Aaron Leggett, chief of Aklutna, was that we wanted it to be taken down um, as like a sort of mark of our current education, you know, that we take it down as black indigenous people of color um, as part of our current, you know, commitment to systematic change and change that is not going to perpetuate harm on black indigenous people of color. And uh, so we've been, attending assembly meetings and sister city commission meetings and writing a lot of things, writing a lot of letters. Um, and our position is supporting the native village of Aklutna. Our position is supporting, you know, them in, in basically this very difficult subject. 
And, you know, not to really jump ahead in kind of like our discussion, but so basically the decision was made after the sister city commission by the mayor to, you know, give Aklutna the, um, a, the autonomy to decide, you know, what was to be done with the Captain Cook statue. And in doing so, um, it, in my, in my opinion, felt uh, not very thought out in those decisions because not only, okay, they're giving the decision to Aklutna, but they're also leaving them with the mess to clean up. And that, again, is more work and more colonial sort of labor that are, is put on Black and Indigenous people of color and put on Aklutna specifically. And in a way, all that indirect hate that we hoped to protect people from is now being directed to Aklutna. And that is something that we don't want. So our goals currently are to, in a sense, do what Dake has been doing, you know, what artists have been doing, and to start conversations and to create education and to be visible. Um, we're a group of, of writers, of artists, of, of activists, um, but we want to do this in the right way. And the right way for us is the indigenous way. It's the way of potlatching and of publicly resolving issues amongst ourselves. And I think that it's really hard to describe what our group is because we, we don't even really consider ourselves like a single thing, you know, we're all individuals. And I think that there's strength in that, you know, that we're not part of like an organizing political body at all, that we're just people who care about this place and care about um, what so many studies have showed us, you know, happens when people are invisible in a place, you know, Illuminative did a, a long study on um, trying to basically break down uh, the, the sort of social, you know, issues that indigenous people currently face, you know, in their, in their lives. And what it ends, always ends up like pointing towards is the fact that indigenous people grow up feeling invisible, that indigenous people are denied basically their existence you know, oftentimes to our face. <laughs> and I think that if we're going to work on visibility and work on doing the right thing going forward, right? And through all these movements, we talk about justice. If we're going to do the just thing, then we need to stop telling stories that perpetuate that untruth. You know, we need to stop telling stories that, you know, feed the narrative of, of discovery you know, and remove the indigenous relationship to this place, which in Alaska is over 15,000 years old. You know, I think that perpetuating, you know, this idea of cook is, is in a way saying your oral tradition, your history, your stories, you know, because it's not verifiable in my sense, uh, or in my, in my idea of, of, of what truth looks like, then it's invalid. And I think our group is, is really just looking to do a lot of work and create a lot of resources for people to know our history, you know, and it's, it's really the long game, you know, um, 
while I think all of us in our hearts would love to like wrap a chain around it and pull it down, I think that we also, we also still want to live here. And, and in order for us to do so, we have to do a lot of work in teaching people. And, you know, all that we ask is that people are, you know, trying, or at least trying, you know, and wanting to come here and listen, you know, that conversations like these are had and heard. And yeah, so we aren't, we aren't getting it through the local media, you know, not through ADN, not through Alaska public media. And, uh, everything that, that I've seen has been very one-sided in those places or been very edited on my part. So we're going to create our own invisibility and our own media and our own writing about all this stuff. And I think that's just always been the indigenous way we do it mm -hmm. ourselves because we have to, you know, and uh, yeah, it's a long game. So the mob or Antifa or whatever we've been called, <laughs> like, uh, it's not what we are. <laughs> and, but it's a lot of people who are thinking about this and creating um, content, you know, um, to basically just give away to people. Mm -hmm. It's a very long answer, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say like what we are exactly. <laughs> right. Thank you. And speaking to the validity of individual artists' efforts, um, getting back to the work that that um, you you started in 2015, Deka, can you describe a little bit more about the body of work that you created as a educational kind of intervention against um, invisibility? So you had the intervention at you know the Cook statue, and you had some other related pieces, and I would love for you to share more about those works. Well, uh, last year, um, I uh, did a residency down in Santa Fe where I was able to continue the kind of the monument project and, uh, or, I, or I guess I continue the, the, the work that I started with the Captain Cook monument, um, um, you know, which was, was originally the, the event and then a photographic document of that, um, but then went on to, um, um, you know, create the piece discover discovered, but with red capitalized, right? This um, that was part of the decolonizing Alaska exhibition. Um, you know, it was was looking at the looking at the length of day and the time that was encompassed within that space seemed to be important to represent. Um, within that piece, but then last year I had an opportunity to do um, a, a project um, and I'm calling it the Monuments Project where I was traveling to different monuments within the Santa Fe area and inviting people to stand with me and, and really it was kind of a, um, an extension of that, of that first piece I did at Captain Cook. Um, but this time trying to really push the engagement part of it, you know, and so as people came by, I actively, you know, was telling them what I was doing here and that I was inviting them to stand with me as part of this monument that I'm standing next to. Um, um, you know, and, and it was interesting and I took time-lapse video of each of those events. Um, and, and, and it all happened so fast. It was a different monument every day for five days. But then going back and looking at the time-lapse video, I noticed that, that there was lots of conversation, you know, the way video moves back and forth, 
lots of conversation with people and then a quick picture and then lots of conversation with people and then a quick picture. So it really, I felt like that project helped um, kind of extend that conversation with just kind of the general person out in the streets. Um, um, and because it was Santa Fe, there were so many visitors or travelers. Um, I did get a few people that were from Lowell's, especially when I was in, right in the downtown area. Uh, but so many people were visitors from other areas and, um, you know, would tell me stories about monuments in their hometown that they were concerned about, um, that they thought that this, these kinds of, I guess it just stimulated conversation, which was really kind of the heart of what that initial um, event was about, was about trying to create, create dialogue about what these public spaces are and how they represent all of our histories um, and, or how they do not, <laughs> how they should represent all of our histories, um, but, but usually are just showing one side of history. Um, you know, and there's the, there's the um, obelisk right downtown Santa Fe, um, which, when, and, and I went to, I went to uh, college, I went to the Institute of American Indian Arts and it was in Santa Fe. And so I knew prior history of this, this obelisk where, um, you know, it was a monument celebrating the, um, uh, um, celebrating the, okay, I'm not going to get the, the wording just right, but it was celebrating the defeat of the savage Indians at this time. And in the 70s, somebody came through and chipped out the word savage on the monument. And then the city of Santa Fe placed up a plaque um, talking about the usage of that language, what was removed. And, and I, I always kind of loved how that, I guess, how an act of vandalism then became a part of the history of the object um, and that a city would take it onto itself to acknowledge the vandalism and acknowledge the time frame within that piece and what it was made and doesn't necessarily reflect the current values of the city. Um, but I think it was an interesting relationship in the way a public space has navigated how a piece can be altered um, and then accepted by the community around it, uh, which I always thought was a great, a great story. And then heard a few other stories about monuments when I spent the day there, but it was great to, great to hear and have those conversations. Fascinating. And so getting back to, to Captain Cook and the statue in Anchorage, do you know how that statue came to be? in Anchorage, where it came from, and how long ago? I, uh, go ahead, Deka. Oh, so the, it was, the Captain Cook Monument was paid for by BP, is that correct? Is that British Petroleum, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and what's, and well, in British Petroleum announced in 2019, it was selling all of its Alaska assets. So it's an interesting um, connection to the uh, sort of extractive mentality and just sort of plunking Cook <laughs> firmly into that kind of 
uh, narrative. Exactly. Like, who are we trying not to offend? <laughs> like, <laughs> in the removal of him, you know, mm-hmm. it was so it was it was a gift from BP, but then was given to Alaska um, through the Sister City Commission of Whitby, England, where Whitby is where uh, Cook learned to sail, you know, I guess. That's so fascinating. And what can you tell us about the Sister City, um, you know, would be um, England today? Is there any change in that relationship status or outlook? I understand there's been some recent contact with them through your efforts. Um, Well, through the Sister City Commission, you know, before anyone even reached out to them or the municipality, um, at least from my group, they uh, wrote a response uh, to their position on what they believe should happen with the Cook statue. And this was the commission. So it was made up of representatives from everybody, everywhere that is in the, the, the map, you know, I guess. Um, and uh, Whitby basically like expressed that they um, did not want the statue to be taken down, but they would promote um, more signage or more information on uh, indigenous histories. Um, But the irony in that is that for one, that's not really how native people transmit knowledge. You know, Um, we don't need a, a cast iron plaque of, you know, or of, of our history, it lives in a different form, um, but it does live through acknowledgement. And I think that it's it's really just kind of a band aid over something that that needs to you know to happen. You know, in many ways, I look at Cook is is kind of like this this very inter- like this desire of Anchorage, you know, and of the municipal governments to sort of, um, you know, emulate other large cities in America, you know, that they need to have their, their statue of their hero, you know, of their discoverer, you know, and that, uh, you know, it needs to be, you know, towering above the, the 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 masses and it needs to be in this very western form of art you know um overlooking to Katnu, overlooking the inlet and um to tabona to tyonic you know and i think that um it's it is it's just a fallacy you know it doesn't really represent alaska you know or what is known as alaska you know, the land in which people, you know, were here for 15,000 years, it doesn't represent any part of our, our history other than our desire or connection to like emulate other cities that we don't share um, a, we don't share much with. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems like a very, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird flex to me. And I, I don't really understand kind of the point of it. You know, um, what I do see in a lot of the uh, opinions and opinion pieces and the um, discussion around it, at least in the media, which is, which is really just for people who want to keep Cook from the perspective of people who want to keep the statue is that they don't really understand the history of Cook and um you know, even at our some of our highest forms of government, will go as far as saying that um, Cook is not a colonial symbol or figure. You know, and 
and that's just wrong. <laughs> that's just incorrect. You know, um, on this call is uh, is Angie Dema, you know, who did a lot of work on um, uh, research on Cook, you know, uh, during for the for the exhibit that was at the Anchorage Museum, and. You know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Angie, but I think a direct quote from Cook was that, you know, in regarding indigenous people, we debauch their souls. You know, that's a colonial mindset, you know, that you can travel the world and you can spread, you know, disease and rape and genocide. And you can be aware of it, even if you're not the person physically doing the act or the harm you're leading a group of people who are doing that and you're leading a group of people to, to ruin, you know, cultures throughout the world, you know, and keeping cook is sanctioning that history, you know, keeping cook is, is sanctioning that, that, that fallacy, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that this is the history that we want to lift up for our young people here. And yeah, I'm just rambling now, but. (laughs) You know, Melissa, there was something you were saying before earlier about how, you know, about how the statue has been gifted off and really it relieves the city from making any kind of decision or having to wrestle with that history and the history they want to, that they want to portray um you know and so i feel like it was a bit of a cop-out to not address it full on as as a holistic community of of all of anchorage let's figure out what to do with this you know um and 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 you know one side of me feels like oh that's great because the tribe can do whatever they want now you know but that also means that any action is a direct reflection on them and not the community that it comes from, I guess. And, and so it does feel like it's a bit of a cop-out for the city to say, oh, well, it's just your, now it's your problem or your decision. You can, you can figure it out and uh, whatever you do, now it's on you. Um, rather than opening up a discussion for the city to say, well, is this what our, is this what our collective histories should look like um, in public spaces. Um, and, and so it, it, it's like it, it kind of relieved itself from asking the question of itself. Yeah. Well, and then also created this weird power dynamic of, of in like a surface way saying that we give power and autonomy to the indigenous people to make this decision, but you have to deal with all the hate and the fodder that comes with it. And you also, it's almost like, it's almost like giving something. It's, it's like giving a gift. It's like a, a gift given to somebody who was previously oppressing you, you know, um, it's almost a little threatening of being like, okay, make this decision, but, we'll see where we stand after, you know, Mm. if indigenous people, particularly in Anchorage are so invisible and have been so, you know, oppressed and, and urbanized in a certain sense that, that now you want them to make this decision, um, in a way that, uh, you know, hopefully you stay on our side after it, you know, 
what, what, what would happen if we said, okay, we're going to take it down tomorrow? What would happen is that there would be so, there would be so much um, uh, anger and there'd be so much hate that would come their direction. And perhaps their relationship, this government to government relationship that they keep talking about as being important, wouldn't be as strong. Or the next time something came up, it wouldn't, um, it, it, they, they wouldn't be asked. So I, I totally understand the perspective of saying that, you know, that, you know, removing this statue doesn't really do anything. It doesn't solve racism. It doesn't solve like the violence that indigenous people experience. Um, but we have to start somewhere, you know, and I think that there's power in the performative act of removing something publicly. You know, I mean, I, I, I also went to school in Santa Fe and the obelisk, you know, and, um, and like, I, I agree and disagree with like that, that like uh, decision, you know, to, to just put a plaque on there and just say like savages was from, was a term used from another time. Right. Um, because the obelisk still stands there, you know, on the plaza and it's still a reminder I think what I do like about it, though, is that it was done, and rather than put tax dollars into fixing it, into into you know perpetuating that information, they very publicly decided to say, actually, this was done um, because of the racism and violence that people ex experienced in this place, and this was from another time. You know, I mean, how powerful would that be if if a statue was taken down and rather than blaming people, the city, the Anchorage community said, you know, actually, this is going to be part of our new history. This is going to be part of something that happened. And we're going to remember this and say this statue was taken down by black indigenous people of color because um, of the colonial oppression and systematic racism that they faced. And from here on, we're going to be doing work to change those things. You know, I think that that's a very powerful statement. And I think also, you know, brings people to the table in, in I think, the spirit of wanting to make change. I, I did an interview down there um, at the statue with, you know, two other um, Athabascan Diné women, and none of us had ever been to that statue. We lived in Anchorage, you know, for a, a large majority of our lives, all three of us, you know, various times. None of us wanted to go and see that, you know, and I think that that says something about, you know, who the statue is for. It doesn't, it's not for us. It's for us in the sense that it's kind of an oppressive figure and it's sort of a very um, uh, direct message that our history and our, you know, um, experiences don't really matter, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wonder, you know, the powers that be deciding to keep the statue, deciding to, you know, have it remain, who is their allegiance to, you know, who is their potlatch to, because it tells me that it's not for, to indigenous people, people of color or black people. 
And so one of the things that you've really pointed out in the petition is that you don't want that statue to be pulled down under cover of night. You want this process, there's great value in this educational process of exposing um, perhaps the underpinning motivations, the historical context that sort of upheld um, Cook uh, and his narrative. Um, so you're placing a lot of value in the public process of dialogue and exposure um, and education. Um, I'm, I'm interested in sort of turning the question toward um, that educational process and the interface with indigenous land acknowledgement. What should that look like? What could that look like? I'm curious to know, um, you know, your thoughts on that too, Deka. Um, and I'd like, you know, of course, both of you to respond. What alternatively, um, to Cook statue, would there be a, some kind of indigenous land um, monument or acknowledgement there, or where would it happen? So I guess as an artist, I'd love to see lots of indigenous artists getting big commissions to do complementary monuments or to add to the histories of spaces of public areas, um, because artists should be, should have those opportunities to to respond. Um, I guess that would be one thing, right? Artists artists making more work to share within public spaces. Uh, but there's so much that could be do within Alaska. I remember the first time, first time going to Hawaii and just looking at every road and every stream and every every hill was celebrated the the language of the 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 language of the space was celebrated in the naming like what if it wasn't what if it wasn't the cook inlet <laughs> what if it was you know the indigenous name for that body of water inlet right like what if what if it wasn't that um you know and i i just remember being amazed seeing a seeing a state, an entire state that really celebrated, and I guess, I guess there's always problems, um, you know, with, with, with any community, but I thought it was a great acknowledgement of the history of the space, having, um, you know, every, every spot on the land identified um, in the Hawaiian language. Um, you know, what if that was the case here in Alaska, where these spaces, yeah, what if it wasn't cooking lead? What if it was the name it should be of the language and then was represented that way? Um, you know, it's a great way to celebrate the history that was here um, um, and, and acknowledgement of, of who was here uh, before the statue. <laughs> yeah. And it's just reminding me that many people don't know the name Takatnu. You know, it, it, it's, it hasn't, hasn't been popularized through signage. And so that is one um, major action that could take place. And I know, Melissa, you've talked about the idea of, um, you know, proliferating some of the names and identities of places through landmarking and signage. Do you share some of those ideas? Yeah, absolutely. Indigenous place names are so important and, um, you know, help promote visibility. And uh, I think also like a very easy opportunity for allies to, you know, do some work, you know, in their own research, you know, um, 
you know, I also, I also view education, you know, in a way that's, that's, uh, I think not so linear, you know, in the in the terms that we talk about, you know, or think about, you know, I think that um, that indigenous knowledge systems, you know, which while while complex, I think this idea of, you know, passing on our stories and learning from like um, a kind of like communal sort of way is is a valid, I mean, indigenous people have proven it is a valid data trans transference you know that this this kind of way of looking at history is one that um is very valid you know and thousands and thousands of years of history tells you that you know we have the proof in our bodies and in many ways you know the stories that I've been told, you know, by by my aunties and in, in the matriarchs in my village, that makes me a primary source. And I think that artists and, you know, activists, writers, I think that we're probably ready to stop acting, asking for permission to educate ourselves. And, you know, through actions and art, like, like Deka's piece, I think that we can teach a lot of people. And I mean, in so many ways, like this discussion is coming up again because of an online petition that individuals shared on their pages, you know, and within two weeks, two and a half weeks, 5,000 signatures, like it's a, there's a huge contingent of people who are ready for the education, but it's not out there or available. So that is part of our jobs is to make it available and to make it visible, you know, um, you know, there was a comment that says, okay, you take down a statue, but then what are you going to do about all the other names, you know? And it's just like, but we do, we have to start somewhere. And the statue is actually the perfect opportunity to create a performative action that is about the collaboration of solving a problem, you know, that hurts a lot of people. And in in so many ways it is that potlatching thing you know it's a very dene a very athabascan a very denina way of solving a problem would be to do this publicly and to do this in a way that offers the opportunity for people to know the truth you know and um I also think too that uh, that this is also a great moment for education of indigenous processes in making decisions. Um, if if this is if this decision is to be given over to the native village of Aklutna, great. But what does that process of deciding what happens looks like? Does anyone outside of the village know? Does anyone outside of like Diné structures understand? what that governmental, tribal governmental process is. I, I would say most people don't. And I would say that even the municipality doesn't really know. And that is on them to learn about those processes so they can do the work of doing the just and right thing, right? So they can approach the tribal councils and the elders and the community members to make a communal decision about these things. And the work and facilitation is 
on all of us outside of the village to support them in those things, you know, and to support them in what their decision making process is. And I get that in, in times, times of COVID times, right, it's, it's hard to meet. Um, but and I, and I don't know the inner workings of, of that tribe. But I do know that Chickaloon is meeting on a regular basis via Zoom, you know, for their, um, their uh, tribal councils. And decisions at tribal council are made by a group of leaders and a group of elders and even young people. And I think that we can all learn from that kind of process. Um, because it's our responsibility if we're going to live on indigenous land to understand um, the way their communities and their tribal governments operate. That's just, that's just on us. That's just our responsibility, you know, in every place that we go. Thank you. Um, what, what do you think should happen to the Captain Cook statue, Deka? I mean, what would you like to see done with that thing? Have you thought oh. about that? Well, I guess I was thinking, well, Melissa was talking about potlatch, uh, yeah. potlatching and was kind of remembering stories of, um, of great potlatches where tanas were cut up and given out to um, members, uh, attendees. I thought that would be interesting if we all got a little piece of Captain Cook <laughs> to hold on to. Um, but I, I um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if, pulling down and tearing up and I guess I guess that's beyond my um, beyond what I'm doing or thinking about what it is but I um, but you know adding to the history of the object right I mean there's a certain an object has a certain a certain amount of history that it is attached to it as it moves through time and do we add to that do we take it down um you know and i don't think and i don't think necessarily pulling it down is a mark of erasing history right it's just kind of it's just correcting some of the history or recontextualizing what we what we value and what we represent in public um, and so I, I, I guess I don't really have an idea of, of what would happen to it. I thought it would be funny if we all got a little piece of uh, Captain Cook. Um, if, it all, if it ever t came down, um, we can cut up little pieces of it and pass it out to community members. Um, but I guess I would, I guess I'd be much more of a proponent of, of adding to the history of a place or of um, uh, yeah, cre creating, creating more of an equitable representation within, within those public spaces that are supposed to represent all of us. I think, I guess, I mean, from the artist's point of view, adding, adding more art <laughs> so we could see the multiplicities of histories happening at the same time um, would be great. Um, Something like this. I don't have any. The, well, I'm thinking about how you erected those, like, you know, warriors' knives and things, you know, like creating a, a sort of redressing 
um, the history through an installation. I wondered if that's appealing at all in a permanent sense. Yeah, it'd be great to have something something in there that um, that was a counter mm -hmm. a counter narrative to that, sing, to that single history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Melissa, <laughs> thank you, Deka. <laughs> I know that was a challenging question, but it's it, it, it's it's a challenging, um, powerful question for us all to think about. And, and I'm especially curious to know, Melissa, what you might like to see done with the statue in including this um, transformative um, educational process, ultimately what, what might become of it in your view, that's truly productive. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel like there's kind of two sides, like I have sort of my personal ideas. <laughs> But I think um, as far as like the actuality of what I believe could happen, you know, is that I, I think, you know, out of respect for everyone that the, the, the Cook statue should be taken down. It should go through a new process, um, a new tribally led civic process of the community um, for the first time, including indigenous perspective on the decision of what should happen to cook. And yeah, the, de the decision should be, should be, should come from that process. And it's hard for me to speculate exactly like what that would be. You know, uh, I've been talking to um, professor and author EJ Ramos about this and uh, he had said something about what if what if the responsibility or the work not the responsibility the work was put on um basically the the people calling for the statue to stay what if they had to prove to indigenous people to tribal people why cook should still be there you know i think that we're constantly asked to sort of bend our bodies and ideas and ways of being into this civic process that is not our own. And I think that in many ways, um, indigenous people are trying to do this as, as collaboratively as possible. But in order for the right decision to, to be made, um, it needs to be about conversation and it needs to be about everybody from all sides doing the work um, in coming to that decision, you know? And right now, all the power and all the, the deck is, is, is in the favor of the Cook sympathizers, right? The, the Cook statue sympathizers, I'll say that. You know, it's all the power is in their favor. The statue is up. The statue is there. Um, it would be a, a lot of money to take it down. It would be a lot of money to melt it down. It would be a lot of money to do these things. So they have a lot of reasons why not to do this. Um, I just want a level playing field as far as the decisions and how it should be made. And ultimately, I think that's the best solution. That if we can all come to the table and because right now we're doing all the work of imagining a future that is not happening, you know, imagining a future that includes us 
and we really need to we re, we really need our our municipal leadership to be listening because i think we're giving them all the tools to make a decision that would include us and uh we're just we're just kind of waiting and just trying to make work in the meantime so i don't know <laughs> i really i guess is the is the short answer to that long answer is that i i don't know what it would look like but i think it needs to be done in a way that um the work is on everybody to prove their to prove their position because because we have thousands of years of history here and we have so much proof to all the points we're making we're very we're very trained in that we have to always have the sources the backup you know on on almost every position you have you have because these systems are made to disbelieve you <laughs> the systems are made in a way that when you say when you tell somebody who you are they don't believe you you know which is that Maya Angelou quote and they do that because it keeps power in their favor you know and uh, I think that we needed we need to do the work everyone needs to do the work to um, check themselves mm. Thank you. Thank you both so much for this rich discussion. This is, um, as I said at the beginning of this program, the first in a series of dialogues addressing land acknowledgement. And it's deeply rooted right here in Tugahuk, which, is, which means at the shore. And that's the place where I live now, um, also called Homer. Um, the conversation will continue next week with Indigenous artists Emily Johnson and Amber Webb. In this discussion, Amber and I will explore Emily's deeply impactful work in ephemeral land acknowledgement, actions from Tukahut to Lenapehoking in New York City, from castillatory mappings and light and dark matter to creating new futures. Why is land acknowledgement so important? Thank you for giving us so many reasons today and um, the generous research and commitment that both of you have to perpetuating this educational process. Well, Gunachis, thank you so much for inviting me in and um, such, a, such a great conversation and um, really needs to be continued on, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Chinan.